This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Check out all of our stories at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. You definitely want to get there in the next 10 days or so before the season starts. We've got tons of preview content. I've got position previews. I've got opponent position previews, depth charts, top freshmen, uh, a whole host of stories. Obviously, we have stuff from the coaches and the players when they meet with us. Lots of stuff going on on the board. As, as people are very intriguing season for Michigan. So be sure to, to read all of the stuff leading up to well. And after I, I'd prefer if you didn't stop as soon as the season started, but leading up to the, to, to the Wolverines matchup at Minnesota, October 24th, this story or this episode is based off of a story that, that I wrote. That is the, it's the comeback team. It's the bounce back team. I, I don't, I, I come up with a different name each day, but it's it's the players. My my caveats were this: they are at least third year players. They have started, or they have not started, or if they have started, they had a significant injury or departure. And there's the caveat that they've been counted out. So a few players that we um, did not include in this list, like a Joe Milton. Uh, I don't think anyone ever counted him out. He just simply was kind of a bit of a project recruit. Uh, there's Ryan Hayes, same similar situation, Julius Welshoff, Mike Barrett. Those are some third year players who haven't started, um, who were counted or were not counted out, who are going to play a significant role. But this list focused on the players who maybe, maybe were counted out, maybe not counted out, but kind of people are like, Oh, I don't know if they will be contributors, but now they have a chance to this season. So, Steve, I've got eight names on this list. We don't need to go over each player, but I, I kind of grouped them into three categories. There's the injuries, uh, the the weight their turns, and then there's the developmental players. So let's start with the injuries. So I include, and, and in Chris Evans' case, a suspension for academic misconduct, but Josh Ross, Andrew Stuber, Chris Evans, and we can we can throw Luigi Villain in there as well, uh, just because his injuries... Um, were so substantial or so the duration was so long. Um, so those four players all factor into our two deep. They're all in our projected two deep right now. And looking at them, I guess, I don't know how you want to answer it, but I, I guess the central question is who do you think fans are are sleeping the most on? And who do you think can really, um, I guess be maybe not first team all big 10, but kind of be in that best in the big 10 conversation by season's end. It's gotta be Stuber, right? I mean, let's go back a year and really one of the big, I, I, if we want to go back and listen to some of our old podcasts, I want to say one of the biggest battles was Stuber Mayfield at the right tackle position. It, so. it was, I think, and I don't, we can go back and look. I, if I recall, the battle had started to shift toward Mayfield. It did. It did. But what? it was still a battle, though. And mm-hmm. you got to think now, like, like, now just take into where we are now. And Mayfield was good enough to put himself in a position where we're talking about a potential NFL draft pick who was considering leaving, came back. My thought is kind of along the lines of if it was ever really close to begin with, which it was, at some point it had to have been close Mm -hmm. because it was one of the battles that not only we discussed, but the coaches openly talked about. Right. That Stuber must be a pretty dang good offensive lineman himself, right? And so I kind of, you know, 
I don't think Andrew Stuber has really been talked enough, talked about enough as far as a guy who really could be a plus contributor this year. Mayfield's back. Don't have to worry about him playing tackle, but he's good enough to shift inside. That's the other thing. Michigan's big thing is they love recruiting or they love guys who can play any position on the field. My thought is Stuber, who was battling at right tackle for May with Mayfield last year, he was close to Mayfield at points. If they feel good enough to move him inside, to me that says they think this guy is legit and that he can produce. Otherwise, why not just leave him behind Mayfield, mm-hmm. you know, who he was battling with last year? So to me, you know, I, I actually think Andrew Suber is one of the guys that people aren't talking about enough at all, injury or not injury, you know, and I know obviously he suffered the injury, but actually is in a way kind of another reason to maybe wonder how good this guy is because we pretty much haven't penciled in as the right guard, you know, yeah. this coming off of the injury. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of – he's really, to me, he's the – I don't want to say easy choice, but he's he's the best choice for sure as far as like – you know, in that, in that category, I suppose, as far as a guy who, you know, really could come in and, and be a plus player for them. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Six, seven, three thirty eight, um, really strong. No tweets, no tweets. No, he just, he only tweeted his commitment to Michigan and that's it. You know, hold he's on. Not a... Are you saying he does more and says less? <laughs> he, does, he does. He is the ultimate do that. Do more and say less guy, man. He should be the, he should be every fan's favorite player is what he should be. So I remember I was next to him when he got his offer to Michigan actually. Um, and then, Tim Drevno quickly pulled him aside when he realized that there were reporters right next to him. Was that the Dylan but, uh, McCaffrey, Ambry Thomas, Nico Collins camp? Uh, I I don't think so. No? It was it was the uh, one time that reporters were ever allowed to talk to recruits in Michigan ever. I mean, it was one of those times. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but uh, anyway, no, I I tend to agree. I mean, he's. He's huge. He can move people. Um, and we've seen him. I mean, he started before as well as a, as a redshirt freshman. So it's not like he's, it's not like he's like brand new to college football. Um, he started in place. Who did he start in of Jawan Bush Beatty, Right. Yep. So um, I like the move inside. Honestly, I, I think looking at his strengths and weaknesses, I, I like that move of those four though. I am going to go, with Josh Ross, um, I think I think last season was supposed to be a season where Josh Ross kind of found himself a little bit. Uh, I think he's always been a really good tackler. I mean, that is that is what stands out the most to me about him is not a lot of missed tackles in his in his track record. Um, you know, really good against the run, hits hard. I think was it Hutchinson who said he's the hardest hitter on the team. Um, I mean, they got some hard hitters, I would, I would think. Uh, and so, you know, he's a, he's a really hard hitting player. You, you can see it too. I mean, the way, the way he tackles, it's just pretty high hit rate. So I, I think that's always been there. I think the next step would be, and I think the switch to will actually helps with this is solidifying his pass rushing, not a guy who has a ton of sacks on his, on his resume. Uh, and then, a little bit of coverage, but I think, I mean, he's got a little bit simpler of a role now switching from Mike to, well, not that they're drastically different, but you know, you kind of have camera grown. Who's able to take on a lot of the responsibilities. I really think he's going to have a big year. I, I think he could be second or third on Michigan's team in tackling. You know, I think he could have a 90 tackle type season. Uh, and that's, that's a high number. I'm not saying he will, but I think he's got that in him. Seemed like, he really improved. I mean, he's, he's talked that he feels like he's really improved this off season and, you know, he's someone who had access to uh, pretty good facilities to keep, to, to really not have the pandemic hurt him at all. And then Steve, I don't know if you've heard my discussions about availability theory. So my, the theory is pretty simple that Michigan 
the order that players are made available to the media is a slight pecking order of who the team's leaders are. Really? Order? Even the order? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, Five, so yeah. th- this year it was kind of interesting because it was like almost a direct order. I think the first two were Carlo Kemp, Nick Eubanks, and the next two were Aiden Hutchinson, Ben Mason. Well, Josh Ross, I, I believe, was supposed to be in that second or third week. Now he he ended up talking, I think, in September. But I've always I've always looked into like I think the the this is just my theory. It's not a, it's not a proven fact, but I think the media relations team kind of gauges who Michigan wants to make available. And Michigan part part of it's like a captain sort of thing, but I think they also factor in who's really standing out the most. And I think that Ross was supposed to be one of the first five or six players to, to meet with us. I'm uh, I got some chips on the table in part due to availability theory. I also think he's a good player, but um, I could see him being named a captain. I know he's been referenced as a leader on the defense a few times. Yeah. I think, I mean, we have no idea what his season would have looked like last year. I think he had what 20 some tackles in two and yep. a half games. Yeah. So no, it's fair. If yeah, it's anything I, like his brother. Right. You know, that was always so the thing was is he was a say a larger version of his brother. You know, and James was really kind of one of the more underappreciated, underrated guys I think that played at Michigan the last 10, 15 years mm-hmm. as far as productivity. So Yeah, he had like over two hundred tackles, right? I mean, he was I mean yeah, I mean, he was one of their best defensive players for a few years there. You know, just natural linebacker ability. And Josh has always shown the same type of deal. You know, last year, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, good. Kind of, yeah, no, it's good. This is a good topic because a lot of these guys, like that, Ross, Stuber, like are guys who have a lot to give, I feel like. So. Mm-hmm. The one other one who I think, I mean, he's going to, play a lot. I, I actually bumped him up in the last week from third string to second string running back, Chris Evans. I was actually a little cool on him heading into the to the fall camp, but it, it does seem like he has impressed both Josh Gaddis and Jay Harbaugh. Um, seems like a few players have kind of referenced him as like they almost feel like they got a key playmaker back, which makes a lot of sense because he had what, 2,200 all-purpose yards and 16 touchdowns in three seasons. So some someone to keep an eye on. I could see him with not, no slight to Hassan Haskins. I could see him being kind of the number two back uh, to start the season. So you talk about speed and space, receiving ability, mm-hmm. balance. I mean, that's... He's kind of the guy that I think they're the, how do you say it? The, I don't, I don't like the, the most questions as far as like, this is a guy who fits exactly what they want to do the best. How are they going to use him? Right. I mean, that's really like, cause like he's a guy you the funny thing, Michigan recruited Chris Evans as an athlete could have been a defensive back, could have been a receiver, could have been a running back. So you think receiver and running back, Michigan not afraid to split them out. Be interested to see if they do that this year or not. I'm not sure if that if they will, but they seem to have shut it down so far. I I, uh, I agree. Man, I think there's a I think there's some real potential there, especially when you watch. Again, we talked last week about Ben Mason and the NFL. You know the, how NFL uses fullbacks and stuff. I mean, man, because he has the ability to catch the ball. You know, doesn't mean he has to run. Like, that's the thing. Putting him in the slot does not mean he has to run a 15-yard route, right? You know, you just you got to think, like, because of what they else they have at running back with Charbonnet, Haskins, Corum, whatever, is like they're so – like, Evans is intriguing in the multitude of ways they could use him. Either way, though, what, he's 215, right? I mean, he's like – Yeah. He's built himself up. Michigan obviously loved him to death before the suspension as far as like just his ability. No reason that it's it's weird because it's almost like they picked up a fresh player. <laughs> like like 
not trying yeah. to spin well that's it. like the one position it's like not using right. your car for a year i mean it like, is you, you're okay with that mileage rate right not, <laughs> not trying to not trying to spin a suspension into a positive but if you're <laughs> michigan it's like this is this is a guy they loved and again the thing with chris loves the game whatever the suspension deal was like whatever not again loves the game coaching flag football at six o'clock in the morning, like kind of guy, like from a football standpoint, he loves the game. So Michigan will, you know, he's done, he's paid his dues or whatever, and he's back in, he's back on the field or whatever. Michigan's going to use him if he's available, you know, a lot of different ways. I'm, I'm skeptical as far as like, just from like, just taking a carry standpoint, there's so many other ways he could use him. He's so good in the open field. He's, how I was like the best way to say it. Not comparing him here at all. Saquon Barkley is on a whole different level from almost maybe any Big Ten running back in recent memory. But I think Michigan looks at Chris Evans as a guy as far as in the passing game because you remember Penn State used to use Barkley in the passing game quite a bit. Well, Michigan should know. I mean, they burned. You know, Penn State burned Michigan a couple times in that a couple of years ago with with Barkley in the passing game. I do think, from a screen standpoint, you know, I think they'll use Evans a lot in that aspect. You know, that was one area. Zach, you could agree, disagree. You know, I don't think Patterson was a great screen quarterback, if that makes sense. You know, I remember seeing McCaffrey come in was more effective in getting the ball properly to backs in the screen type situation. Chris, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Right. I think Chris Evans is a guy who was made to like be dangerous from a screen standpoint. So you can put, put Charbonnet and Evans in the backfield and just use that as whether it's a decoy, not decoy, whatever. Like, I think that's a situation where Evans is like best suited. So you know, it's just there's a lot of different ways they can use him. They love him. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to play a role this year. So, it like, really one of the bigger questions for me is, like, how are they going to use Evans? So, yeah, yeah, I tend to, tend to agree. I know I know our podcast, longtime listeners know we've been saying <laughs> use him more in the screen game. <laughs> Throw him the ball for like we have been saying that for years actually. It's, it's almost I, half a decade at this point. I actually yeah. just said I actually actually that whole spiel was without me even realizing that we'd already been arguing about that for like three years at this point. But he is like perfectly suited, you know, from a screen aspect. Especially again, the other thing though now different than maybe in the past when we were saying it is like their running back room is more suited to allow him to thrive in that that aspect. As far as like if you put him and Charbonnet in the backfield at the same time, you know, you can hand Evans the ball, right? At 215, you can give him the ball. It's not a deal where it's like, okay, he's in the game, they're gonna throw a screen. Like there's, you know, so they they they've accumulated enough weapons in the backfield to use him more properly, I guess is the best way to put it. So yeah, but I forgot that we, we, that was like our first podcast. I feel like we talked about, right. Hey, we should throw some screens to Chris Evans. Like that's <laughs> the best way to use him. So I was like, I forgot about that. So the next group, let's, let's go with the depth chart guys. So these got these are players who maybe were counted out because they didn't win the starting job, but there probably was someone ahead of them beforehand and so i've got chuck filiaga i threw andrew vastardis in there uh i put donovan jeter on the list at defensive tackle i think if you wanted to include mike barrett he might be a similar situation where in a pinch last season like if Khalil hudson's not on the team maybe they turn turn to him a year sooner we didn't i don't have him on my list uh but but your thoughts on some of these players because I think that's one of the odder things that not all fans, but some fans who like to panic about everything too, is they, they look at a player who 
hasn't started and he's a third or fourth year player and they they kind of write him off like I remember when I did a depth chart that had Filiaga and Stuber starting everyone was like no 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 what about these you know young four-star recruits and it's like well no I mean these guys are experienced these guys are have been around it's not their fault that the, the year before Michigan had two hits at offensive guard so Jeter Vastardis um, and then Filiaga those are the guys I kind of look at as the depth chart bounce back guys. Well, with Chuck, we have to talk about big Mike, you know, on Wienu who at this point, you know, at least according to pro football focus, they're not the gospel, but there's somebody to listen to. It's like on is the best rookie in the league and one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL right now. If you listen to them only, to me, you watch the tape, I tend to agree with their assessment. So Chuck, who is repping at left guard behind Ben Bredesen, but also a guy who is malleable as far as play him anywhere, it's a deal where you you were either playing behind a multi-year captain or a guy who could be one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL right now. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like pick your poison, you know? So it's like, if well, Chuck- and he, it's not like they were like scrubs in college. I mean, neither Bredesen nor Onwenu allowed a sack last season. They, and they were both over 330 pounds and were moving people in the run game, too. Right. So really, anybody who's replacing these guys in the interior, we're going to be met with a lot of skepticism, right? Just because the guys in front of them were playing at such a high level. So these are guys that we were going to field questions on no matter what. They could have been five stars. doesn't matter what their recruiting acumen was. It's like these are guys are going to face questions regardless just because, yeah, Mike got drafted and is playing at a high level. Ben was drafted in the fourth, like third or fourth round. can't remember exactly where Baltimore took him. But um, Chuck, yeah, I mean, Chuck had to get get there. You know, I think he's a guy sort of not similar, you know, because Jeter's a guy who really is kind of battled his way through, I guess would be the best way to put it. I'm trying to trying to phrase it properly, but um he's a guy, you know, you hear Don Brown talking well about, you know, we heard about him last year and people mm-hmm. were kind of waiting. And he's kind of your quintessential because you're hearing good things doesn't mean he's going to be a first-team All-American kind of guy. But to be fair, based on what we heard, you we think we would have thought or we think we would have seen more contribution, I guess, based on what we heard last year. Don Brown's praise so far has been more effusive than it was even last year. And what we've heard, or I've heard whatever, who anybody's heard, Sam, all of us sounds like he's ready to at the very least be a rotation guy. Cause it's not, you know, Kemp Hinton probably going to be your one, two. Right. And that, and so the thing is with a guy like Jeter, again, you don't need all American contribution. Just, we just, Michigan needs bodies in the middle. They need mm-hmm. depth. That's the biggest thing. Mozzie Smith. Jess Spate, Welshoff. Like, that's why hearing Welshoff's name is such a great thing because they just need depth right now. They don't need, they, they, I feel like they have a solid one too because Hinton was one of their best defensive players against Ohio State. He was good against Alabama. He was a five star prospect. You got to think a guy like that builds off of it and becomes, at the very least, a disruptor in the middle. You know, he, I think people are waiting for the next Mo Hurst. I don't think a Mo Hurst just comes in every year, every two years, every four years, right? <laughs> well, I mean, really, though. I mean, you know, because he wasn't a highly regarded guy. I think people just think a Mo Hurst walks through the door every three or four years. Not going to happen necessarily. So, um, yeah. So, would Chuck, you imagine if if one did, though? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, there's. I mean, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's a zero sum. You know, it's not a. I know what you mean, pos- but yeah, but to get a unanimous all American, right? To assume <laughs> that a guy like Mo Hurst is just going to walk through the door every two or three years, even if they're a highly regarded recruit, 
you know, I think you're just, you're spinning your wheels at that point. So, um, no, fascinating group. You know, Chuck, Chuck has really turned it on. Could see him being the starting left guard this season, which I think is weird because it's like for a while, I think it was assumed he would be. Then there were some doubts. Now I think he's kind of turned it back on. Could easily see him being the starting left guard, which is great. I mean, that's another guy uber talented. Michigan beat, geez, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of schools, though. I mean, he was a national, very national. I mean, this was an Army All-American commitment when he chose Michigan. You know, that wasn't like a small win or anything. So he's a very talented guy. I would say, too, with Chuck, uh, played left tackle his entire high school career and then was asked to play. I remember he was asked to play right tackle at the army game, just a guy who's moved around a lot and stuff. So I don't know, uh, you know, Michigan figured it out interior was the best for him. He's been playing, he played under Ben Bredesen for years. So uh, probably ready to do it. it was just a matter of figuring it out physically. He's always been there. Um, just an assignment type deal, but no, it sounds like he's ready. I, I, you know, is he the favorite? I would probably say he is, but another guy I think is ready. We're going to pause for a quick break, but don't worry. We'll be back in a moment. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Thanks for waiting. We're back. Let's get back to the discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think of those three. He is the one that, like, I am almost certain he'll be solid because, I mean, we've we've asked about him for a couple of years, and it was always like, well, no. I mean, Bradison and, and Unwenu are in front of him, and that's that's really the end of that. And so, with Jeter, I I think he. If when I think of like who really could have a bounce back season, who's been counted out far by a lot of people and could change that, I, I think Jeter is the one. And, the, and there's two things one, he added what 23 pounds this offseason. That doesn't always mean that they're better, but I think at, at defensive tackle, I mean, clearly they wanted someone who's gonna be just ginormous and and kind of fill that Brian Monet type role. Um, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm intrigued by. I mean, Jim Harbaugh singled him out as the most physically impressive returning player during the summer. And then the other thing is I think in this, I remember this when I played sports and, and maybe our listeners do too. It's a different feeling when you feel like you can start versus I think in the past Jeter was in a situation where maybe maybe there were too many people older than him on the team. I think it can be kind of difficult mentally. Um, it's also worth noting Jeter had a pretty significant injury, one that I think similar maybe to Valaine, it took him longer than just because he was able to play doesn't mean he was fully recovered. Um, but I think I think he's someone that kind of sees that that light at the end of the tunnel now, and he sees that he can be a, as you said, maybe not a starter, but you know, kind of that third defensive tackle to rotate in. I think he kind of sees that, and I think when you see things, sometimes that can be a nice motivating factor, especially at a position like defensive tackle, where, I mean, how many how many players are kind of the quote unquote light switch type players, where sometimes they're, they're they have a great practice, and then the next day it's just not there on a snap to snap basis. It's a it could be an exhausting position to play. 
um, you know, the gratification isn't always instant or seemingly worth the, the labor, I guess. Right. So I, I think Jeter of, of the eight players on this list, he's one that I'm very fascinated by because I think, I think he can be really exceptional. I think there's been steps toward that, especially I think in the last month or so, but, um, same time got to do it in games. Cause we have heard people talk about Jeter before. And it's interesting because they actually have referenced having discussed, like, I think Don Brown said, um, you know, even more than last year. And I think, um, I think Quiddy Pay said it the other day. I mean, you know, he was like, you know, I, I know he, we've talked about him before, but I think this year it's really, really started to come on. So yeah, those are the players. Maybe not even entirely their fault. Maybe they, there was just someone in front of them as a starter. The next group, this is maybe can your I wheelhouse, say, can, Steve. Can I say oh, something ahead. about Jeter real quick? Sure. One thing to remember, and again, it doesn't mean everything. It could be Michigan made the wrong play here, made, you know, whatever. Think about the fact that, and again, this is just reality of college football at this point, but they let Michael Dwumfor walk and go to play at Rutgers. And they decided to keep Donovan Jeter on the roster. Which, again, when I say they decided to, it's a deal where, again, Michigan can't force a kid to leave at all. Not how it goes. But it can be heavily insinuated that you're not going to play. You know, you're not going to have a major role. We have X, Y, and Z coming in next year, blah, blah, blah. I've just, I've always kind of gone back to the fact that Dwumfor is gone and Jeter is still on the roster as some sort of idea that Michigan thinks that Jeter has something really to offer still, you know, cause Dwumfor was a good player for Michigan for a couple of years. I mean, there's no, you know, you talk about the fact that they need depth on the interior, you know, and one of the things is like, well, why did Michael Dwumfor leave then? Not right. as if he was going to be a, superstar or an all-american type guy but you know you talk about the depth in the middle it's like well Dwumfor made some big plays against some good teams in the past you know not as if you like why would you want to lose a guy like that you know i keep i kind of keep going back to the idea though that again he's not there and jeter's still on the roster kind of makes me you know you got to think and again and like i said not going too far down that rabbit hole but we've heard a lot of good things both inside and publicly, mm-hmm. as far as like Jeter, you know, figuring out, you talk about a fourth or fifth year guy. And sometimes, especially, yeah, you talk about, yeah, you talk about the unappreciation, I guess, of like trench play and like just, you know, could be a deal where the light has gone on there. And that's the light has gone on is a phrase I use with Javon Green a few times. I think it's different with Jeter. I mean, Jeter was a four star guy, highly recruited. A guy, I think Michigan, if we're being honest, was hoping have, would have done more at this point than he's done. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's definitely not. It's not even close to too late in that situation, right? So, yeah, that's what I with him I, with him specifically. That's what I look at. You know, I look at the fact that Dwumfor, who for all intents and purposes was a contributor, right? I mean, there's nothing to suggest that the guy wasn't going to play some snaps at Michigan next year. That's fair. He did have a degree in hand, which is something Jeter did not have. And it did sound like Hinton had, had proceeded to pass him. Well, that's not a, that's not a, not like that's a big surprise, but but Jeter stuck it out. Right. Right. He still, he he saw that and said, well, no, I, I, I'd still like to be here. Right. So So that's, that's something to kind of keep in mind in that regard. Cause yeah, I mean, Dwayne four is a guy, I mean, you think about the was a Michigan State game in the last couple. Of, I feel like Dolphor has played some really good games for Michigan in the past, actually. So, um, you know, Jeter's still on the roster. Dolphor's gone. Just kind of something to think about. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, I think Jeter's got a lot left to give. Um, you know, regardless of the the different things we've brought up or the the kind of the tea leaves we've presented, he's a pretty physically impressive football player who has more to give than what he's given. And so 
100%. Certainly not a guarantee. That's why I call him a little bit more of a mystery than than someone like Chuck Filiaga or Josh Ross. But but there's enough intrigue that I mean it's it's kind of piqued my interest. I'm I'm really interested to see how the defensive line looks in the season opening game. Uh, so the last group, and this is a little bit more your, your wheelhouse than mine, Steve, is the the so-called 2018 development guys. And so some of them, some of them like a Hayes or a Barrett or a Welshoff, it was always known year three. But someone like a Sammy Faustin, Jamon Green, same thing, Taylor Upshaw. But it does sound like those those three are really trending toward and maybe even more so than they were a year ago. Luke Schoonmaker. Sure. Yep. Oh, same thing though. Yeah. But but do you do you understand? I think some of them were quote, quote unquote counted out by sure. fans more than no, others. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. And so I've kind of got Faustin, Green, Upshaw as kind of the three. Because yeah, I mean, there's a few guys third year, like Barrett. I don't think anyone ever felt he was. I don't think anyone ever counted him out. I don't think anyone. Maybe Welshoff might have, but I don't think anyone. I don't think too many people did. And then Milton is another one. But I'm curious about Green and Faustin and Upshaw because it sounds like all three are either going to start. Well, Upshaw won't, probably won't start, but either start or be like the first off the bench for the Wolverines. So um, if you want to add to those three, feel free. But I'm curious about your thoughts on what's what's changed or what's working with a couple of these players. So I'd add, I would add Luke Schoonmaker for sure, just because, I mean, he is the third. I think he's the third tight end. I do think Eric All is ahead of him. Mathematically, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they don't have that many tight ends on scholarship. <laughs> right, but, well, no, but All is in the class, you know, after him. So right. Um, I, think, I do think Luke's in that same regard. Uh, Sam, no, I think he's a... Uh, Similar situation for all these guys, you know, Jamon, who we've talked a ton about. The funny thing about that, this whole, the, all three of these guys, but especially Green and Faustin is like, you know, because lately we've been writing positive reports on what these guys have been doing. And the reactions have weirdly been like negative. And it's like, but this is what it was supposed to be <laughs> like with right. these guys like it's like sammy fawson like stepping up at safety possibly allowing michigan to use daxton hill in a variety of ways which is what he'd probably be best with because he's just so good is a Doomed bad, at corner right yeah is a bad <laughs> thing is like you know it's where you get to like stupid level you know with some of this stuff this is what you want you want to hear about sammy fawson in year three, because that's what Michigan was hoping. Uh, yeah, all three, like those guys, especially Welsh off in the same boat as, as, to an extent, although to be fair, 24 uh, seven, we, we had Welsh off as a four star. So it's not as if there were, at least from our evaluator standpoint, it's not as if we had Welsh off as a throwaway type prospect in the class A throwaways, a very, probably too negative, but you know what I mean? Is like, he wasn't just a, a fill in or a, a flyer necessarily uh, still very negative terms, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Not a, not a Michigan really liked the guy and our guys liked him too. Um, but with Faustin, Upshaw green. Yeah. I mean, Upshaw hasn't been a lot of pressure there, not compared to the other two, right? Because mm-hmm. Michigan's been pretty loaded on the edge. They've developed guys in the edge. I mean, they've developed guys at corner too and safety, but, you know, I think Upshaw's kind of just been a guy where from a public standpoint, not a lot of like, oh, where's, what's Taylor Upshaw doing? You know, why is it, where's Taylor Upshaw at? You know, he, I think he's been able to quietly kind of develop under the staff as far as they, as the way they wanted him to. A lot of bloodlines there. Kind of again, quietly a guy where it's like I feel like in six eight weeks we might be talking about Taylor Upshaw as a guy who's like, hey, where this guy come from? You know, like, hey, this guy's pretty good. 
mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but with Faustin, yeah. I mean, if he's like, that's the thing is like, like I said, in, in our last episode is like Jamon, if Jamon Green's pushing DJ Turner at cornerback, you should be happy. <laughs> that's not bad news. That's, yeah, I don't think news. DJ Turner got worse, right? That's great news. <laughs> You know, like right. Jamon Green is somebody specifically, as we've said, is a guy, was not a first-year guy, probably not a second-year guy, because the staff has been waiting. Physically, ability-wise, he's there. It was. It's just more about, with some of these kids, it's about assignment football, not blowing those assignments, and just it's the mental side of the game. That's not an insult if a guy doesn't get it right away. It's just like some guys are used to maybe playing off of their talent, straight off of their talent or whatever. You know, Jamon Green, 6'2", legit 6'2". If he's got it figured out, Michigan has something big at corner. I mean, he's just a guy they've loved since day one. Sammy Fawson's a guy. Sort of the same deal, but at more at the safety position as far as like a guy who has the physical traits, physical, to play at the professional level. It's just a matter of like knowing how to play the safety position in a Don Brown defense, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like Don Brown, we know they ask a lot out of their defense, out of their back four. They always have, right? So like if we're not hearing about Sammy Faustin right away, or like consistently it's probably because he's trying, he's got the kid like that's got a grasp playing in a complicated defense before they can take that next step. Cause like my thing, Sammy Fawson, Jamon Green's like physically watch the film size wise, especially, I mean, those guys, they're there. It's just a matter of like, it's, it is, it's the X's and O's type deal of it. So when you hear a guy like that, who's like, you're hearing them trending up. Cause the thing is like with Jamon green, especially, like I said, we've been talking about him for a while, but not a guy like we didn't think he'd play a lot last year, but it was a guy we'd always hear things about. I think it was rooted in hope. Sammy Fawson's not a guy we'd talked a ton about necessarily. You start to hear these names popping up practices, availabilities, et cetera, et cetera. That's a good thing. That means these guys are figuring it out. And if like you can get guys who are physically there to figure it out from a mental standpoint, then you have a guy who could be an impact player. You know, and I think that's from Michigan standpoint, I think that's the hope, you know, when you talk about the 18 class, we talked about last episode a little bit. I think that's the hope with a lot of these guys. I'm looking at Welshoff. His listing is six, six, two forty-eight. That's his high. That's his profile from high school. What did he what did he say he was listed at like 290? Yeah, 293, I think. Yeah. I mean, there you go. I mean, not a guy who was recruited when he was so when he was skiing or whatever, I was like, he had like a skiing video or something. He was doing all this like wacky like workouts and stuff. Yeah, he was probably 245, 250, put 40 pounds on that. You know, and I know Don Brown specifically said he's as fast now as he was when he was 265, 270. I take Don Brown at his word when he says stuff like that. I think he's earned that, the benefit out there as far as like uh, embellishment, whatever, you know, Fred Jackson. So, um, so yeah, no, I mean, again, we have to see these guys do it, right? That's obviously, that's the kind of the, mm-hmm. why we're here. But, you know, I go back to what I said a couple of weeks ago on our message board is like, these are the guys that you want to hear are stepping up. You want to hear that Jamon Green is pushing for that second corner spot. You want to hear that Sammy Faustin is keeping the, you know, they love the freshmen they got coming in at safety with Makari Page and RJ Moten and stuff. You want to hear that Sammy Faustin is keeping those guys at bay. That means they got something. Right. You know, right? I mean, you want to hear that Taylor Upshaw is was it has a butt? Wasn't he the butt guy? Yeah, he right. Was. Yeah, he was the butt guy. So you know, that's but that's what you want to hear, though. You know, it's like it's weird because it's like again, not to rag on anybody specifically, but it's like 
the 18 class, you know, because they had a lot of three-star guys, a lot of guys that weren't like necessarily like nationally regarded. It's like it's like sometimes you kind of feel like people want the younger, highly more highly ranked guys to beat these guys out. And it's like, no, that's that's how you don't want. Have you ever like, met a high school sports coach? They are obsessed with like playing the like <laughs> sophomore juniors hoping that they turn out. Yeah. It's right. but yeah. <laughs> No, it's but that's not what you it's like Michael Michael Barrett or whatever. It's like, you know, well, do you hope that well Anthony Solomon was higher ranked than Michael Barrett? Are you rooting for Anthony Solomon to win that job just because right he was ranked higher and had better offers? Some are. Well, no, but that's but it's not actually with that one, I don't think so much, but like you talk about well, we saw the reaction with the Fawson stuff. Yeah. It's like it was like Oh, how could <laughs> how could Sammy Faustin be do, be pushing for a starting job? And it's like, man, like <laughs> this was like this was a, not a first or second year guy. Like, and I feel like we said that when they were recruiting him. It's not like that's like new news or like that we're like rewriting the the book. There, I mean, that was always the, that was the plan. Push year three and go from there. You know, and, and Michigan's recruited the safety spot well enough to where it's like, okay, if he's not ready, then he's going to have a younger, talented dude that's going to beat him out for it. But if he wins it, then that's probably good news, you know. So, no, it's yeah. always – it's, it's like, no, how could this guy, you know. It's like they recruited a four-star last year. Like, how is he out with I, I think my favorite part about this, because I know exactly what you're talking about, is that you – I, I don't think these fan uh, sorry, I don't mean to go in that direction. People pick which players they like and dislike who have never seen the field based on high school tape. Yeah, that's fine. And yep. Yep. and like a recruiting profile. Like and, and right, here's the thing though. So like and then ever like and we again we don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but and then like uh Sites like ours get crap because X like A and B are ranked higher than veteran C and D. When, like I said, go back and read what we wrote about like a Sammy Fawson, right? Specifically, as far as like Sammy Fawson was not a guy that was recruited to be an instant impact type player, you know, and so it's like. So if, if it's year three and he's beating out 20s or whatever to win the job, it's like, yeah, like I get it because like obviously we're recruiting's big for our site or whatever, but it's like we're not – that's pretty much what we projected from the beginning. You know, and that's part of like the micro part of it as far as like why you should listen to like when we're covering these guys on a day-to-day basis. Like that's why it's like – told Zach before we recorded had three guys, like four guys last year that we I actually had to look it up on a piece as far as like four guys that Michigan thought were one year away. One was Michael Barrett. One was Julius Welshoff. One was Sammy Faustin. And the other one was Ryan Hayes. As far as guys that Michigan loved, but were a year away. And so here we are. And we're hearing great things about all four, you know, Barrett being pushed by Solomon, which is a good thing because we heard a lot of good things about Barrett, but it's, they're like, they're right where they're like, where were they really thought we would be at this point? You know? So um, it's a mix of like, yeah, they're recruiting high level guys. So you see safety, you see Makari page, you see RJ Moten was the top 150, Daxon Hill, obviously who's going to play, somewhere no matter what i mean he's on a different level but you know you see us saying good things about sammy Fawson, writing about sammy Fawson. it's like this is this is where we thought he'd be right now that's not a bad thing like that's a positive you know so yeah real quick i think you covered Fawson and and green enough but upshaw <laughs> um so i for those that don't know i i helped out our clemson site with coverage for a couple weeks there before the big 10 season was reinstated. And I actually odds have it ended up talking to 
Taylor Upshaw's brother, Reagan Upshaw Jr. And really fascinating story, really good dude all around. I mean, he's he's probably going to be up for like a lot of those senior distinguished awards or whatever class awards or whatever they are. Um, kind of got to talk to him about the training the Upshaw brothers did. So for those who don't know the story, they didn't really play football. Their dad did nine years in the NFL, but he didn't like let them play football until they were like 14 or 15. They had to like really want to do it. And so Taylor is five inches taller than Reagan, but it was fascinating to hear Reagan because he's got a bit of like a Glasgow arc where he, he started out as a walk on, even though they have tons of great defensive ends with Clemson uh, and he's only five eleven, like 240 pounds. He's already up to 11 tackles, three tackles for loss and a sack and a half this season. So like he's playing and yeah, it's just interesting hearing him be like, yeah, I just look at Taylor and like the sky. I mean, obviously it's his brother. He's going to talk very favorably of Taylor, but it is really interesting because I think, you know, we've talked about that defensive line and how they're looking for some depth and they have some development guys. I think Upshaw has potential to really, I think this season it can be like a Mike Dana type role. And then I think when there's a starting job, I, I think, I mean, of all the players who like the high ceiling, but lots of mystery, I think he's right up there. And I think for, for how little he gets discussed, um, I think, I mean, I know Don Brown's comments about him kind of centered around the, the obsession with Taylor Upshaw's butt, but I think that there's, there's a lot there. And I think that, um, I mean, he's, I don't think he's someone that needs the light switch to come on. I just think he needed to physically be ready to play football. And I think he's, he's at that point, six, four, two fifty six. Um, really fascinating to see. And, and, you know, he's another guy who, uh, during the pandemic, I mean, I assume with his dad having played nine years in the NFL, probably has good access to training facilities. He has his brother to work with. And I think you can look at his brother's arc and be like, okay, you know, he didn't do much of anything first three years of his career. And now he's starting to, to really contribute. So, um, yeah, fascinated by, by all three. Um, I agree with you. I think the Faustin ascent is being completely misinterpreted. It, I, mean, I mean, they were it, talking very highly about those freshmen, right? And and, and the starters, Hawkins and Hill. And, and then now he's might, inserted the conversation. Right, and those guys might be the guys still, right? I mean, that's it's like like I don't it's like you want the most competition possible at these spots, especially safety where we've talked I mean at length about needing guys that that might be the one spot where Michigan's had good players, but not great. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the one year they had two really gr- I think their best safety combo was in 16 with Thomas and Hill. And that's a year they really realistically should have gone to the playoffs. You know, it's a really yeah. premium position for them defensively in Don Brown's scheme, not a knock on the guys who've been there, you know, since then or whatever. I'm just saying like, you know, when they've had elite or good NFL level players at the safety position, they've won a lot of games, you know, and Hill and Hawkins are guys that I think, you know, I've said before, comparable to Hill and Thomas, if not better, uh, Delano Hill, we're talking, you know, Dax and different, a different Hill, but, uh, you know, Delano and De- uh, DeMonte Thomas, you know, it's like Hill and Brad Hawkins are, comparable if not potentially better combo there if a guy is giving them enough to where they feel like they can move Daxon around I don't know how you're not like excited about that that's a great thing that's like it's not a negative you know people have looked at it as a knock on what they have at corner you know I don't think that's the case I can see I can see where I can see where that it gets taken in that direction because of Ambry's departure. But again, we've heard so many good things about DJ Turner. And now we're starting to hear good things about Jamon Green. You know, I, I just, we've, you see more and more in college football right now, right now with guys who 
know, Xavier McKinney and Bama was a guy that played corner, uh, corner snaps, safety snaps, linebackers. It's like, if you have a guy who's uber talented, like Daxon Hill, you want to try to use that guy as many different ways as you can. Granted, you can only do that if you feel comfortable with other guys playing his, like his regular set position, you know? So if, but if we're hearing good things about guys like Foster and Jamon Green, then yeah, I mean, that's really Daxon Hill's a guy. Let's be real. He'll be in the pros in two or three years. Right. I mean, there's just, he'll be playing in the NFL in some capacity, no doubt. So yeah, if, they have, yeah. if they have, or if they have other guys who are stepping up in other spots to allow Michigan to use a guy like that, however they want to use him, then you should be excited because that's what they did with Jabril. Mm-hmm. That's what allowed Jabril Peppers to be as effective as he was when he was at Michigan. Played a freaking guy at linebacker, not even really a linebacker in any means of the word. You know, allow, and he got him to the, they got him to New York <laughs> based <laughs> like because they had Delano Hill and DeMonte Thomas and Channing Stribling. Like those are the type, you know. So that's what you want to hear because you want them to use a guy like Daxon Hill in as many different ways as they possibly can. Yep. Yep. So that was our, yeah, that was our list. Um, be, feel free to weigh in with yours as well. If, if you guys heard someone or didn't hear someone that that we might have missed or might be sleeping on, be, be sure to let us know. Um, I do want to caveat, we are not saying any of these players are going to be first team all Big Ten or even second team all Big Ten. I, I feel like there's always that. I, I and, and again, with with that many passionate fans, I get it. Where if you hear someone getting hyped up, you're like, oh, you know, Mike Dwumfort is going to be the next Mo Hurst. <laughs> or, you know, oh, um, you know, Chuck Filiaga will be just like Mike, Mike Unwenu. Not not what we're saying. Um, to, be, to be fair, I think we've done a better job of tempering that stuff, right? As far as like we've – not saying we've like hyped, you know, it's like Jeter hype was last year. Two things. One, we've pretty much hit on guys who like guys who you hear a lot about in the offseason usually turn out to be good players. You know, it's not as if it's totally facetious. But we've also done a good job of of also yeah, putting the caveat in where it's like just because we're hearing a good thing about a guy doesn't mean they're like, you know top 10 pick in the draft next year, anything like that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like if we hear good things about Donovan Jeter, so we fully expect Carlo Kemp and Chris Hinton to be the mainstays in the middle, right? So if we're hearing good things about Donovan Jeter, that means that we're expecting Donovan Jeter to be a good rotation guy in the middle. That's what we expect. Could he, could diesel, he could obviously outplay that, but it doesn't mean that, like you said, we're not like, it's <laughs> So he's not going to have a sweat. He's not going to wear the Michigan sweater on the frame on the wall, like in two years or anything like that. Right. Real quick, just because you mentioned we usually are correct when it comes to fall camp risers. And this wasn't a list of fall camp risers. I should specify that as well. This is more of the comeback guys, the guys who were maybe counted out by fans who um, could play a significant role this season. But the fall camp risers list last year, I went six for six. So it was Brad Hawkins, Ronnie Bell, Mike Unwenu, Carlo Kemp, Cam McGrone, Jalen Mayfield. And I don't believe any of those players had started the year before. And I think all of them are viewed pretty favorably by Michigan fans. <laughs> so congrats, my back hurts a little congrats, bit from, from congrats, Pat in the back. Dude. Way hey, to go, hey, man. <laughs> if you're able to flex your a year away list. I was able to bring in my fall camp risers. I'll bring it. That's good. Hey, I'm not, I'm not rooting (laughs) against you. We're on the same team. Anyway, the point is, I mean, I don't think any of those players were first team all big 10. I don't know if any were even second team all big 10, but they were, you know, well, McGrone might've been and Mayfield probably should have been, but yeah, players, players step up. And if they have good fall camps, they often have good seasons. Uh, But anyway, For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know and let your friends know if you did. I hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.